Good morning, everybody. This is the Two Peas on a Pod podcast coming at you again. This is your host, Austin Griffiths, hoping you're having a wonderful day. And boy, do we have some exciting stuff coming to you today. And uh, just appreciate you tuning in to the podcast. And we are here today. We are so excited for this uh, episode today because this is the very first Why I Believe series episode. We've been talking about it for several weeks, and uh, we are here. This is the first one, and uh, Brother Zach is not here today. I'm on the road, um, been uh, preaching around here, and got a special guest we're going to introduce you to here in a moment, And uh, but Brother Zach is working today and was not able to uh, join us via phone call, and so he just told me to tackle it today. And so we apologize for that, but he will be back on here in just another episode or two. And uh, But today we are on the very first Why I Believe series. We've told you about it. And so every other Thursday, we're going to be doing this Why I Believe series. And so I don't want to take up too much more time, but today we have a very special guest with us, and this is Pastor Kevin Lloyd. Yes, hello. Glad to be here today. Wonderful. So glad to be able to be here. We've been talking with him um, about this episode, and we're going to do a two-part episode. Just too much to tackle in one, (laughs) and so we're going to do one episode um, today that you're hearing, and then the second Thursday in January, we will be doing the two-part, and so today was released as January the 6th, and then January the 20th. I want you to tune in again and hear the part two. And uh, But today, the topic is the Holy Ghost, and that will be the topic of the next two episodes. We've got some questions um, that Brother Kevin has so graciously agreed to do in this podcast, and we thank him so much um, for being on here and doing that. And uh, I'm telling you, I'm just overjoyed, and I have a lot of confidence. Me and Brother Zach have a lot of confidence in this man and in this church here. He pastors. And uh, he's going to tell you about that here in a moment. But we've uh, used him in our local in our annual meeting that we've not been able to do for two years via uh, via that bad word we won't mention on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that starts with a C yeah. and ends with the D, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> and uh, we're not going to ruin it right there. And uh, but anyways, but we've used Brother Kevin uh, pretty much every year, I guess, since it started yeah, on that Saturday yeah. service, and he's really helped us. And I have a lot of confidence. And uh, I tell you right here, Brother Kevin and his wife and family, they're just some of the best folks um, in the country. And uh, and so without further ado, Brother Kevin, it's so wonderful to have you on this podcast. Oh, it is. It is my honor. Thank you, Brother Austin, for uh, including me and uh, asking me to do this. I think what you and Brother Zach are doing with this podcast is a great thing. And uh, I've been excited ever since you asked me to participate and uh I'm really excited about the topic that you have selected, and I, I think it's great that you're doing this What I Believe series. Yes, sir. And uh, so first off, uh, we've introduced you. Your name is you know, Kevin Lloyd. Yes. And yes. Uh, there's something that I didn't even know until recently, but okay. I had no idea that your first name was not Kevin. No, that's my middle name. My dad <laughs> is James. He goes by Jim. 
And so I was named after uh, Dad. So I'm James Kevin Lloyd, and that's why I sometimes sign my name J, my initial J Kevin Lloyd. But, yep. So yeah. I didn't know what the J was, but I seen JKL, and I thought, <laughs> ah, I James. didn't know that. So something, something that somebody might know is his name is not Kevin. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but anyways, it's so wonderful to have you on here. And so I want to ask you. Um, I know the answer to a lot of these questions, but for the for our audience, just to kind of re- kind of get what who we sure. got here today, sure. Where was you raised at? Where Where are you from? Well, I'm from Kentucky. I'm a native of Kentucky, and I kind of bounced around in my youth. I was born in Louisville, and my parents uh, divorced when I was about almost seven, so I moved to this area and lived in London for a few years. That's where I got saved and called to preach the night I got saved. And then we moved to Somerset when I was about 10. So I grew up in Somerset, Kentucky. That's what I say is my home. But I've got roots all over the state. So that that's great. And uh, I would say probably the first time that uh, I really came in contact with you all was I was raised in Dayton, Ohio. Okay. And so you pastored there. I did. For, for many years. Yep. But you evangelized before that. You went to Bible school. Correct. And so just kind of give us just a small insight about the life of... Uh, Kevin Lloyd about how you uh, you got saved and how you got in the ministry and just sure. how you got to Dayton. Sure. Well, you know, there's probably some young listeners included with a variety of ages, and I just want to say that God touches young people. I was seven years old when I got saved, 1974, wow. in London, Kentucky. Brother Gene Huff was the pastor back then. It was a difficult time uh, in my life because, you know, my home had just separated and mother and I moved to London but it was on a Sunday night and I remember so distinctly God dealing with me and that same night as I followed mom walking out to the car had a real small parking lot in that downtown church so we parked all down the street and I followed mom to the car and I can still take you to the place on the sidewalk which is probably 18 or 20 miles from where we sit right now where God called me to preach that night as a seven-year-old. I didn't say anything about it for years. Wow. But uh, at age 20, right after I turned 20, I went midterm to Free Gospel Bible Institute. So that's what I count as my start date on preaching. And, of course, I was there for three years. I worked with Brother Bill Finley uh, in Oklahoma in a variety of capacities, youth leader, a Christian school, Start evangelizing in December of 1992, and I did that for 14 years. Uh, three of those years, I was single, and then I married Sister Kim, and she was with me 11 of those years. We home-based out of Indianapolis, the Greenwood area. There were Brother Burdine pastors. Right. Now it's his son, Brother John Burdine. So that's that's what we count as our home church. And uh, Brother Burdine, I still call my pastor, uh, Brother Carlos Burdine, Brother John's dad. And so then I started pastoring in Dayton for nine years, and then I came here to Bond. I've been here for six. So I'm kind of back at my roots here in Kentucky. That's what I was just thinking when you were saying all that, talking about how you was you know, saved and lived in London. And I thought Correct. how, how uh, just the providence of God, how amazing that you was right there in Dayton. That's not where you're from. Right. And uh, that's where I remember seeing you because right. I grew up, what, 15 minutes down the yeah, road yeah. and we fellowshipped and everything. And that was actually Merlin Heights where you pastor was my first church. 
Is that right? That's oh, where, yeah, I remember that. That's where all my family went to under Brother Ed Ross. Yes, I remember that. And so Brother that. Ed dedicated me as a child. Wow. And my grandparents were um, originally, before he even went to Merlin, when that would have been, I guess, North Dayton yeah. um, Church, my grandparents Mentor were one Avenue. of his. Yeah. Um, I can't remember how many families he said he had, but my grandparents were one of the families that he had in his church oh, yeah. when they went over and Correct. the whole combined and all of that and so my grandma was a sunday school teacher in the church my parents went there and there's a picture of uh, them you know dedicating me as a sure. baby and him holding me and then probably uh i would say age three would probably be a good guesstimate we had made uh, a move me and my grandparents and um some folks and we had went to dryden road and uh was was raised there wow and so and i was about three years old so we went over there and so originally that same place you pastored for many years and of course we fellowshiped and um stuff through the years you probably didn't remember me as far as all the when I mean, we had 60 people in our youth group yeah there was and, a lot uh, of you. so there's a lot but i grew up here and you preach and just fellowship and just you know just just we just loved you all and then really didn't get introduced formerly i guess and stuff till i'd gotten married and we started coming around and traveling right. as a group and um, zach singing and my wife and different things and uh but i just thought that was so awesome how you know i got roots all over this place london yeah, bria mckee stennett hazard harlan you name it i got family all over the place on both sides of the family but the fact that you was raised here and saved here and then in you know i'm not even gonna ask you how old you are but <laughs> 54 so you know all these years later i'm not gonna say in your older age but all these years later god brings you right back to your roots and it's you, amazing and you said within 20 miles you could go right back to where he called oh, yeah. you and that that's just really that's amazing it is amazing and uh when, when i thought when i heard um through the grapevine you know how it happens when i heard that you was coming here and i heard you had resigned and he was coming here i thought wow that's just that church is going to just throw just a match made in heaven, and uh, it's proved out. Well, we're, we're, we was in church yesterday, and just uh, you know, just amazing. Really. We feel very honored, and you echo some of the thoughts that I've had through the years. In fact, I get to thinking about it sometimes when I'm in prayer, and it overwhelms me with thankfulness, gratitude, and emotion when I look at the providential leading of God. Yes, and so. I guess that's a neat thing to talk about since we're going to talk about the Holy Ghost. Yes. Because he does lead us. And I think there are ways that he leads us sometimes and we don't even really realize it until we turn around and look back and say, wow. Because you probably would have never thought. No, no. When you was called at seven years old. No. That you was going to pastor an anvil, which is 20 minutes from London. I know. Basically London. When you think of Bonnie, think of London. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, he never thought when he was seven that no. 40-some years later, he's going to be pastoring this awesome church right in the same, just the same spot. You know, God's ways are wonderful, That's and awesome. I would encourage anybody to try to live in the center of the will of God because it's the most exciting and wonderful life that there is. Yes, sir. That's awesome. And you made a great segue to exactly what our topic is. And so um, several weeks ago, I asked you if, you know, if you would be willing to do this. And when I thought about this topic of what we're about to talk about, you was the first person to enter my mind. Oh, I'm honored. And so I talked to Brother Zach about it, and we just agreed that it, this would be awesome. And uh, we're trying to incorporate as many men of God and pastors and preachers. We just uh, done an interview with another evangelist and trying to incorporate folks and topics um, right here on this podcast. And so today, 
and the next episode, these two parts, the topic is the Holy Ghost. And so the first question um, that I'm going to uh, shoot to you right here, and it's a very broad question, and uh, but I, I believe it's going to be it's going to be great. And uh, Trump says it's going to be great. It's going to be the best. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be tremendous. There's going to be nothing else like it. And uh, but anyways, I just believe that. And so the question is, who is the Holy Ghost? Well, first of all, thank you, Brother Austin, for the nice introduction and the opportunity. The Holy Ghost. Wow, you said it. Broad question, but a necessary question. Yes, sir. So I'm going to kind of bounce around here and feel free to interject something if you want to or a question. But the the first thing and the most obvious thing I will say is he is a person, and he is what we call the third person of the Trinity. Now, I would add that the Holy Ghost is that member of the Trinity that in this dispensation is is the closest to us. Okay, and I know the term person is a term that, well, it immediately presents a problem to us because when when we think of person, we approach that term with finite thinking. And the Holy Ghost is not finite. He is infinite. Right. So how can you squeeze a finite being into describing him in an infinite term. That's that's something that presents a challenge right off the bat. I think another reason there's a challenge with that term is because when we think of person, we think of, um, well, a particular human being, or I could say it maybe a little bit differently, we think of a personality. And I think that's where the challenge really is because, well, for instance, when I say God the Father, there's immediately a picture that I have in my mind. There's a connection that I have because Father is a human term. We we all understand that term Father. Yes. And when I say God the Son, it's the same thing. And Jesus took that to the next level because he took a human body and, and expressed uh, the sonship of God through that medium, but but the Holy Ghost was never incarnate in a human body. In fact, only one time did he briefly take up a physical body, and that right. was in the form of a dove at the baptism of Jesus. Uh, the Father, even in the Old Testament, manifests himself sometimes in what we call a theophany. That was just an Old Testament appearance of God in a body that you could see. And so, you know, we think of before Jesus ever came, in the flesh, there's these Old Testament appearances of God, there's Jesus in the flesh, there's the term Father and Son, but the Holy Ghost, He's He's pure spirit. We don't have those terms to connect with Him. He operates in the inner man, uh, He's invisible, uh, He's mysterious. So when we think of person, we think of something in, in a visible form, uh, in a corporal or, or bodily form. And so we don't have any of that connection with the Holy Ghost as far as bodily. So I think that sometimes we're at a loss in the beginning when we start talking about him because our terms don't seem to fit. So I want to take a minute to say that 
a real person is not necessarily the body. I'm standing here or sitting here looking at you and I see your body and that's just part of you. Your your body, soul and spirit. Right. And after death, uh, we bury a body, there's a whole lot more to the person. You know, to be absent from the body, Paul tells us is to be present with the Lord. We read in Revelation chapter 5 about souls under the altar. John has a vision of them in heaven. They don't have a resurrected body yet, but they're souls. They're individuals. They're people. And so uh, person and, and body are not necessarily the same thing. So when I say the Holy Ghost is a person, it's still something that that's difficult for us to grasp. I think that we assume that that God, when we think of Him as a person, uh, well, perfect personhood is not what we see in human beings. Perfect personhood is what we see in God. So I think we need to look at personhood from a different angle. God is not a magnified human. We are made in the image of God. So we're like a little reflection of what God is. So we're a person, and so God is a person. Right. But God is three in one. Just yes. like we're spirit, soul, and body, He is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But yet the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not uh, the Father or the Son. And so I know I'm going a long way around it here, but there's basically three parts to what a person is. There is the mind, there is the emotions, and there is the will. Those are the aspects that define person. We see the rich man in hell. He, you know, his body is buried in a grave, but he is in hell. Jesus right. gives us that picture and uh, Lazarus is carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. So we see these people uh, saved and lost in eternity without a body. And they've got a mind. They've got emotions that they're expressing. And so it's the same with the Holy Ghost. He has a mind. The Bible talks about the mind of the Spirit. Uh, it talks about, when it talks about the gifts of the Holy Ghost, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that he divides them to every man severally as he will. So those are the gifts of the Spirit, and he divides them at his will. It talks about his emotions when Paul said, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. So he has emotions. The Holy Ghost has all of those, and so he is a person. He's We, we say the third person of the Trinity, and I would say on, on that, that has nothing to do with rank, or importance. Uh, he's not, you know, two stages down from the Father or below the Son as far as in the Godhead, as far as rank is concerned. We use that term because that just gives order. When you read about the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost in the Scripture, that's usually the order that they're mentioned in, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And when they're revealed in Scripture, a lot of times that's that's the order that the bulk of Scripture is given to each of those members of the Trinity. I know we read about the Spirit of God in Genesis, but the bulk of the Old Testament is talking about the God of Israel 
or who we would call God the Father, and then the Son comes and reveals himself. Right. And then Jesus is the one that says, I'm going to send you another comforter. And that kind of implies that he's a person because Jesus is a person. And he said, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send you another comforter. He's someone like me. He's a person that's going to be with you, but not in a bodily form. So that's who the Holy Ghost is. And he comes in us when we get filled with the Holy Ghost. Actually, we're born of the Spirit when we get saved. And he fills us and empowers us. He comforts us. And we become the body of Christ. And now, instead of working through that human body that Jesus was in, now he works through the church, which is the body of Christ. And so that's a, a lot of things I know that, that I said, but that's basically how I would answer that question, who is the Holy Ghost? All right. Who is the that, – that was a wonderful uh, just explanation of who he is. And I think if we could truly understand who he is, then we would understand why we need him. Absolutely. And that's what we're going to get to on the second part of this episode. But you mentioned 1 Corinthians 12. Yes, sir. Where Paul gives us his writings about the gifts of the Spirit. Yes, sir. And in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 8, it says, For to one, talk, you know, he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. For to one is given by the Spirit. And so if you're going to be used in these nine gifts, he goes on to explain these nine gifts of the Holy Ghost. To be used in those nine gifts of the Holy Ghost, obviously you've got to have the Holy Ghost because he's the one that gives the gifts. Absolutely. And so you know, if somebody doesn't have the Holy Ghost, then that gift is not valid because they have to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which we know as holiness folks that that is the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. That gives you the evidence you know if you've spoken tongues you have the holy ghost if that's the uh, if you've spoken a heavenly tongue it's not yourself anybody can speak in a tongue but if it's truly the heavenly uh, tongue then you have the holy ghost and uh and so i want to talk a little bit here um before we go into the second part i want to talk a little bit here about the gifts of the Holy Ghost. And honestly, there's nine gifts Yes, sir. the Bible teaches us. And some of them, honestly, you're not going to see with human eye. Right. I mean, you, you can see the effects of wisdom. Correct. But you can't necessarily see wisdom. Correct. You can see the effects of knowledge, but you can't just look at something and say it's knowledge. If I don't know you, I don't know you have a gift. You know what I mean? You, I you see the effects of it. Right. And, uh, and so as far as the gifts... Um, there's wisdom and knowledge and faith and healing and miracles and prophecy and diverse tongues and discernment and the interpretation of tongues. Correct. And I, I want to say this, and we're going to give this to you here, is we are Pentecostal. This is a Pentecostal holiness Trinitarian podcast. And so I, I want to make that um, just – I want to bring that out, that through that whole explanation of who is the Holy Ghost – there was Trinity all oh, over yes. that. Oh yes. And so, you know, that that's the Bible. Amen. You know, and so if you're listening to this and you're not Trinity, we, we encourage you, you know, this is what the Bible teaches. And he just made a beautiful explanation there of the of the Trinity, which um, we'll we'll tackle later on in this series um, more extensively. Um, but as far as the gifts of the of the Holy Ghost, the gifts of the Spirit, 
honestly, the devil's going to attack that, obviously. Oh, yes. And so the gifts of the Spirit, my questions are, does a church need to have those nine gifts of the Spirit active within the church? Absolutely. They are something that God gives us. Why wouldn't we not want something that he gives us for the purpose of doing the work of God? So we're not in this alone. When the disciples started with Jesus in their training period, they were working with him. And he said, I'm going to go away. Of course, you can imagine how they felt. And he said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send another comforter. And he's going to be in you, and he's going to be with you. So it's the same spirit that Jesus operated in. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in our next session when we talk about why we need the Holy Ghost. But to a point that you made talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 8, I typically start when I teach about the gifts of the Spirit. I start real close to that. I, I begin with verse number 7 of that same chapter where Paul said, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. And so the gifts of the Spirit are the manifestation of the Spirit. We've talked about how He's invisible. You mentioned the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is to speak with other tongues yes, sir. as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. That's a visible sign. Right. Uh, when they got it on the day of Pentecost, there were a number of signs that could be perceived by the senses. There was a sound as of a rushing mighty wind. They saw cloven tongues of fire that appeared and sat upon each of them, and they heard them speak with other tongues. Well, that's the only one that's repeated as we go through the book of Acts is speaking with other tongues. So that became the visible initial sign, evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so we see a person who's speaking with other tongues. We can't see the Holy Ghost. He's invisible. But we see, as you said, right. his effects. Well, it's the same thing with the gifts of the Spirit. It is a manifestation of the Spirit. And so when the Spirit wants to work through the body of Christ, he manifests himself. We don't see the Holy Ghost with our eyes, but we see him working. Jesus compared him to the wind. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. You can hear the wind blowing. You can see the effects of the wind. And so when the Holy Ghost manifests himself, he does it in a way that, that we can tell this is the Holy Ghost. And I agree, some of the gifts are less noticeable than others. Right. A word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. Those are ones, uh, the discerning of spirits even, those are less noticeable. But they are noticed by the people to whom they pertain. Uh, the one who is operating in that gift definitely knows, this is not my knowledge. This is knowledge from God. This is not my wisdom. And very often, the people to whom 
It is directed. I think sometimes a word of knowledge and even a word of wisdom will come during a preacher while he's preaching and he's anointed by the Holy Ghost. And so the whole congregation may not recognize that like they do a message in tongues right. and the interpretation of tongues or a healing that they might see with their eyes, one that comes instantaneously. But to the person who is operating those gifts, it, it's clear. This is not my wisdom. Uh, sometimes that word of wisdom comes in interpreting a difficult passage of Scripture or applying a biblical truth to a difficult situation that is happening. That's how I see the word of wisdom being operated in the book of Acts, in the sixth chapter. Uh, you had the church about to split over the widows that weren't being tended to. And I think it was a word of wisdom when the apostles said, search you out seven good men among you, full of the Holy Ghost, that we may appoint them over this matter. So you see another level of church government that is established there by the apostles. They got that wisdom from God. And when they're done, everybody's satisfied. Everybody's like, yeah, that's the answer. That had to be from God. <laughs> and you know, you see it again in the 15th chapter of the book of Acts when the all these Gentiles are getting saved and there's this big discussion and it looks like there's another split about to happen here over, well, if Gentiles are going to get saved, they got to be circumcised, they got to do this, they got to basically become Jews. And Paul and Barnabas are saying, no, they didn't have to become Jews. And so you got this council in uh, Acts chapter 15, and it's James who has what I believe is a word of wisdom. And he says, this is how we're going to settle this problem. And everybody agrees to it. So, yeah, you don't always see the word of wisdom necessarily when it operates. I tell you what we do see a lot of times. We see the effects of it. And I think sometimes with those gifts, we see the dreadful effects of them not operating. And us trying to navigate through those situations without these gifts of the Holy Ghost, that's sometimes why we don't have the effect that God would want to happen is because we try to do it with our own human wisdom and not what's available to us. I, for years, and I don't say this in any, any braggadocious way, I say it because of how dependent I realize I am on God. It's, it's a, a foreboding thing to think I've got to stand in front of a congregation of people with eternal souls and preach the Word of God and the spiritual decisions that are going to be made as a result, maybe, very of what well, I say that night. Could be the last yes, message right. they'll ever hear. Absolutely. And so often, more often than not, when I go into a pulpit, I'm praying for the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Right. Not just those gifts that confirm the Word, but those gifts that help declare the Word. And I am speaking of, well... So I'll, I'll just kind of categorize the gifts because they come in clusters. Okay, so you got nine of them, but there's three clusters of gifts. You've got utterance gifts, all right, those that are tongues, interpretation of tongues, and then the gift of prophecy. Those are divine utterances through the gifts of the Holy Ghost and the power of the Holy Ghost. We speak a message not of praise to God, but a message of to the church in another tongue 
we've all been there in those services. Everybody's worshiping God and praising, and a lot of people's talking in tongues like they were on the day of Pentecost, but all of a sudden somebody gets real loud. Right. Well, the reason they get real loud is because I'm not part of the group that's worshiping God. Now I'm a messenger. Right. And my tongue talking is not flowing from the Spirit as a praise to God. It's flowing from the Spirit as a message to the congregation. And so the volume increases, and we've been in those services so often, we instinctively know what to do. Exactly. We, we, we silence because we know now the Holy yeah. Ghost is Reverend. not using us to talk to God. He's talking to us through one of our people. And so those are utterance gifts. Then we get an interpretation. We wait on that. And there's rules about that in 1 Corinthians 14. And then prophecy. And then you've got knowledge gifts. And that's where God gives us a piece of his knowledge. I think that's why it's called the word of knowledge. We don't get all of God's knowledge, but we get a word of it. We get a word of wisdom. I think two things are implied there. It's, it's a portion of God's knowledge, a portion of God's wisdom, but sometimes it's given in such a way that we speak it to a situation like they did in Acts chapter 6 and Acts chapter 15. Often, if I'm in a counseling session, I have prayed for a word of wisdom to help me handle that situation uh, because I don't want to just approach it in the wisdom of experience or, yeah, we should study the Bible and have the wisdom that it gives, obviously, but we have this gift, a word of wisdom, or the Holy Ghost. And I've seen that operate sometimes in a counseling session or he'll give you wisdom for a particular situation, or even knowledge, okay? So those, the discerning of spirits, that's a knowledge gift. And then the power gifts, which are gifts of healing, uh, the working of miracles, and the gift of faith. So we need power from God. We need God to help us to think about things, and, and we need knowledge and wisdom from Him, and we need God to help us to speak what He would speak to a situation. So right. these are all gifts to equip us. It'd be like a plumber showing up to my house. It'd be worse, showing up to my house to do a job for me, and he doesn't bring any of his tools. So we've got these tools that God gives us to do the work of God. I think it's well, I don't mean to sound rough here, but it's foolish if we attempt to do it without the gifts of the Holy Ghost. That is exactly correct. And uh, I, we've both preached in churches that are uh, outside yes, sir. our movement, our denomination. Yes, sir. That don't believe in the gifts. And there's an immediate difference. Oh, obviously. I was just in one a while back, and uh, I told my wife, I said, I am so thankful I'm holiness. Amen. There's power in believing. And I've often told people, they're so, what, what's different between you all? Because when you say Pentecostal, you have to preference on Pentecostal holiness. Because they, they to so often incorporate you straight to, to apostolic, straight to uh, agape or charismatic or different things. And so we are Pentecostal holiness people. And so I say, what separates us, I truly believe with my heart, is we take the Bible from Genesis to Revelation in its entirety. Yes. Every scripture, whether it hurts, whether it 
cuts or whether it lifts up. We take it all. And in that is the gifts of the Spirit. And that's what kind of separates us from a lot of other denominations is because when God gives us a gift through the Holy Ghost that he can, you know, obviously probably we would say the most that are seen with our eyes is tongues and interpretation. Correct. We've seen that last night right here at the church. God speaking to us. I wouldn't trade that for anything. Right. There's nothing like being a preacher and preaching and then God confirming his word through the preaching with the miracle. Amen. That's what, you know, the miracle of him confirming what you've said that he's given you in prayer and he confirms it. And there's nothing more humbling than when the interpretation comes and he said, my servant has spoken to you. And to think that God has reverenced I know. you as his servant, as the minister. Because we're nothing but just a voice yeah. from God. And that's just, I tell you, I pray for the gifts. I, I know we've talked about this. I think a minister, a preacher should always, in, in my ministry, I'll just be transparent, is when I come with a message of he knows where you're at, I love messages like that because it pertains to everybody. Yeah. You know God cares about you. Everybody needs to hear that. Right. But when you preach on there's a hell, or when you preach on don't be a hypocrite, or when you preach on a message I've preached a time or two on somebody's got a secret, I mean, you're not preaching to 100%. You're preaching right. to that 1% right. or less. And I get even more in prayer than usual and say, God, I need the gifts active tonight. Yeah. So, God, move on somebody. Yeah. Move on me. Move on some, some move on somebody. And uh, just just speak to us. Confirm your word. Because as an evangelist, especially if it's a one nighter and they don't know you, it's your first impression. Right. And you walk in and say something like that, you know, you you just want God to come in that place and the anointing and the there's nothing like it. I, I, for the life of me, I could not understand how somebody would not want the gifts. And honestly, if you if you even had the thought of we don't need the gifts, just imagine them being gone. Yeah. Yeah, you gave me a lot of good leads there, and I want to comment toward two of them as far as miracles. And I, and I agree, anytime the gifts are operating – we are in the miraculous and supernatural realm. In fact, a lot of t- times I've told people when I'm praying for them, they might be in the altar wanting a healing or wanting God to do something miraculous. And as we're praying for them, they're speaking with tongues. And more than once I've told people, as God prompted me to, hey, you're speaking with tongues. That's a miracle in your mouth. If God can put a miracle in your mouth, He can put it anywhere else in your life or in your body. And so I think that, yes, all of these gifts are of the miraculous nature. It makes me want to comment on the one gift that's called the working of miracles because all of them are miraculous. So why do we have one that's labeled the working of miracles? Aren't healings a miracle? Yeah, they are. Right. Every one of them. Every one of them are miracles. But yet we have this, and I don't think God is being redundant there. There is a distinction. So when he says gifts of healings, he's talking about specifically bodily healings. Right. 
But there are other things that God does for us that have nothing to do with the bodily healing, but they're a working of a miracle. For instance, a divine provision. And we've all seen God do that where he miraculously provides. When Jesus fed the 5,000, he wasn't healing their bodies in that miracle, but he was providing for their need. Uh, Philip, uh, at, at one point, he baptizes the Ethiopian eunuch, and God wants him in another place and wants him evidently there quicker than Philip can go by walking. And so he picks him up and transports him from point A to point B. He has a miracle of transportation. You'll appreciate that one as an evangelist. I've, I've said that many times that, uh, you know, Philip was the evangelist in the Bible and he had a miracle of transportation. I had many when I evangelized too, where he seemed to get me from where I was to where I was going and, and he was involved in that. So all of these gifts have their place. And so the working of miracles is something that the Holy Ghost does sometimes where he provides for us. And again, that's, that's a broad umbrella there. Yes. The working of miracles. And so there was another idea that I was going to comment on, and I forgot what it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all right. We're going to jump off here. And uh, like I said, we got another two-part coming in, and uh, stay tuned for the next one. And like I said, that'll be January the 20th, I think, if my memory is serving me right. And uh, we're doing every other Thursday on this series. And uh, and so the next one will be on we, – we talked about today on who is the Holy Ghost. Correct. And we talked about the nine gifts of the Holy Ghost. So who is he? What are the gifts? And so next we're going to talk about – why do I need him? All right. That's when it gets personal. All right. He's there. He's a person. Who is he? There's nine gifts. Now, the big question is, what does it benefit me? Amen. Why do I need him? So stay tuned. It's going it's to get good. It's already been great. And uh, and just, just stay tuned. And I tell you, we just appreciate all the listeners and everybody that's on. We appreciate everything that's going on. And again, Email is 2Ps21 at yahoo.com. If you got some comments, feedback, anything, send it to us, and we will see you later. Take it away, Gordon Moat. When this race of life I've run, the Lord says to me, my child, well done. There will be no regrets for me, I'll